0: Good evening, I'm Sweat E. Balls, and our top story tonight, fish, should you trust them, or not? Beautiful. And Oh. oh. <laughs> uh.
1: You got something else queued up there?
0: Nah, I was going to say, and now over to you with the weather. Oh, nice, uh, nice, nice, nice. Then nice. I realized I would make up a name for you, and that wasn't fair, so... Yeah, that's fair. Cause I, yeah, you know, let me speak for myself. You know
1: what yeah. I'm saying? But uh, yeah, cool, 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 cool.
0: I feel like, feel like that's just, just the right level of bad that we should just, yeah, just go with it.
1: Just stay with it. <coughs> nice. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, no, on, was, my, on my hand, I mean, just cutting you off.
0: Oh no no no! It was it was perfect. I'm so happy about it.
1: Good. Sweet.
0: Because awesome. if nothing else this evening, we should be very precise and very German with the whole project. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we should, except you don't have an Alsatian one, do you? No. Oh, thank God. I hate those French pieces of shit.
0: Anyway, yeah, but Alsatian Riesling's really good. <laughs>
1: it's delicious. I love it.
0: <laughs> Well, we could either be very German, very Prussian, very, very organized, uh, or we could be very Oregonian, we could really just not have any clue what we're doing, or why we're growing Mm -hmm. fucking Riesling, but, you know, we're doing it, so.
1: You're doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're both. I mean, I got an Oregon Riesling here, and I got a delicious uh, German one here. Got the eagles on the top and everything.
0: Oh, mine! Mine, didn't have an e- mine doesn't have an eagle Ooh, on the top. You bitch! So There's a, a compass, half a compass rose, and then hmm. and then the just squ- squiggly lines. Squiggly lines.
1: Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So, yep, yep. I'm drinking a uh, Doctor uh 2018 uh, dry Riesling. Uh, it's called a Red Slate. Uh is the name of the wine. Um, I think they might have other like blue slate or some mm. shit too. But um yeah. this is good. It's a it's a really solid uh it's like I don't know, it's like sixteen bucks or something. And it's consistent, yeah. super delicious, and they they're really making an effort to try to dispel the whole like all Rieslings are sweet thing. Yeah. Because uh, there's just a big sticker that says dry on it.
0: And you can buy Doctor Lucent basically anywhere, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty much. It's like one of the most uh widely like uh accessible. Uh, Rieslings. That one, and I almost got uh, Hugo or Trimbach. Also both of those. Those are both Alsatian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that they're, they're super delicious. And so this is good. Uh, I'll get into it in a second. And the other one is Ovum. O-V-U-M. And it's their mm-hmm. off-the-grid Riesling. Nice. Uh, this one's from 2017. And, uh, yeah.
0: Very oh, nice. Shoot, what do you got over there, partner? Uh, I have, from Germany, I have... Yeah. Uh, A 2018 Karl Erhard uh, Rudesheim Riesling, uh, it's defined as a cabinet, K-A-B-I-N-E-T-T, a a cabinet Heinherb, which um, has a definition that I just saw on their website, and then I, oh, fine dry, I think is what that means really fine herb yeah fine herb
1: Mm -hmm. once i can i can figure out
0: that's nice yeah yeah that means but that means fine dry um it's it's also dry it's got uh it has uh 7.9 grams per liter residual sugar so um Hmm. so it's it's got you know it's got residual sugar it's definitely got rs in it but it's um it's still very much as far as reasonings go definitely dry Mm -hmm. Um, nice. And then the sh- uh, my Oregon is a shad, uh, S C H A A D shad cellars um, from the Chehalis Mountains, um, and it also defines itself as dry, dry, dry just hmm. below medium dry on the little uh, international Riesling. Foundation, Federation, whatever it is, uh, the little huh. scale that they have that they put on bottles uh-huh. of Riesling now sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, it, yeah.
1: Huh. It, I didn't know, yeah. I've never heard of that label before. Or the, the producer or whatever.
0: Oh, yeah, they're, they're small. They're, they're quite small. Um, nice. But they're a fourth generation um, farm, uh, originally growing, uh, I think, black cap raspberries and stone fruits, but then in 1980 they planted... Um, they planted a vineyard sweet yeah so nice. this their their riesling is so theirs is 11.4 percent alcohol and then the german one i have the um carl Ehrhart is 11.5 mm-hmm. percent alcohol mm-hmm. uh and i would guess that the um i would guess that the shad add? has higher residual sugar uh
1: mm. okay
0: probably not much higher like probably like mm-hmm. i don't know maybe eight and a half nine uh-huh. but it, i could also just be completely wrong it could be lower and just be a relationship with the acid that is Oh, well, maybe it like, could just be less acid in it mm-hmm. the acid uh i think it's supposed to be the total acidity of the um the air Hard is uh 7.6 grams per liter so it's got mm-hmm. just it's got almost as much acid you know as uh, as rs so nice. it's yeah. it and it's got that balance like it's got <laughs> it's yeah it's got significant acid i would be very surprised if the uh if the ta in the shad was as high
1: hmm yeah yeah the uh the Dr. Luce and I have is like 12% alcohol uh, and it's, um, I don't know if it's bone, bone dry. Sorry dude. Okay. Dog was
0: being
1: a jackass. Dog was being a fucking jackass. I was trying to get some um, cat's
0: food, it was under this crate thing. Nice. Okay, i You good? You back? Yeah, I think I just blew out the levels on my um talking too loud. Nice. Um uh, Yeah. Sorry. Uh,
1: but yeah, so it's um it's not totally, totally bone dry, but um you know, it's not sweet, certainly. Um and then the ovum is um it's gotta be higher alcohol, let me see. Yeah, 13, 8, so almost fourteen oh, percent. Yeah. Um and it's, I mean, I'll go into describing it later, but or, uh, before, uh, the floor of the rums and shit. Yeah. Mm.
0: Which Doctor Lucan do you have?
1: The Red Slate, 2018.
0: Red Slate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ovum definitely has a bit more RS residual sugar, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a bit, definitely a bit more like uh, richer. And um,
0: yeah. so what's
1: interesting is. Um, the ovum's cool, um, for a number of reasons. Um, but I definitely see some oak, mm-hmm. um, which you don't oftentimes see. Um, and it adds this kind of like rich, uh, creamy, you know, aspect to it. Like you would expect the oak would, but when it, um, you know, combined with the, the flavors that it has, like, so sort of the, the ripe riesling flavors, it's you know because it's like it's almost 14 out 14 percent alcohol so you think it'd be like it would be pretty big but it it just kind of comes off as rich but it it still has a ton of good acid so it's pretty refreshing it's like Mm -hmm. um kind of like the like the the lemon meringue pie sort of sensation where you have that like richness but you also have that really tart um acid coming through yeah um so that that sort of things but it's very much more like uh like custardy and richer and yeah there is a sort of a big like glycerin kind of um, texture <laughs> are those dogs okay
0: they're losing their shit right now <laughs> don't know what's going on
1: it's the guy with the gun from last time
0: yeah it's yeah. not nah, there I think it's just deer but mm,
1: yeah yeah but um let the yes then you go back and forth mm-hmm. to the um to the dry Riesling and you know I, th- I feel like it's kind of a joke where you get like it's okay so it's lime honey and like white flowers it's like the the textbook sort of what you're taught with whatever how um Riesling tastes and smells and stuff mm-hmm. and this definitely has that it has you know whatever lime and blossom and all that all that kind of shit but um this isn't it's not an overly complicated. Riesling, but it's just very consistent and and delicious, and it's like I would I would happily buy this again. It's really good. We're
0: um, talking about the loosen yeah.
1: yeah, you know, I'd happily buy the Ovum again too. It's delicious, but mm-hmm. in terms of like just being like easily accessible and like this, this this would be a really good wine if uh like I would recommend to somebody where they're like oh like I don't really like Riesling. It sounds like I've heard it's sweet. I don't really want it. You know, it's like okay, well not a big commitment. It's like 16 bucks. Pick it up. It's delicious. Yeah. And it's not the most complex Riesling I've ever had, but it'll give you a relatively good idea of what, like, not what Riesling can be, but it's like whether or not you like it, sort of, Yeah. you know? Truly, then, yeah, um, for
0: a dry style one. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah and then Ovum, Ovum's like this total, like, oddball. It's kind, of, it's kind of like a wine nerdy sort of thing. Yeah. Where, like, like not everybody's going to pick that out number one but also um have it they might I mean like one of my friends um i like opened the bottles with him i don't know like a couple months ago or something and he was like oh this is really fucking cool and he's not he's like getting into wine he's not super into wine but you know like obviously like we talked before it doesn't like you don't need to know you don't need an education to know whether or not you like something yeah yeah <laughs> Before. so he's like yeah this is delicious and mm-hmm. it's like yeah it is it's like cool aren't you like recycling, you like stuff with oak on it like you like cause this is a lot, it's like a lot of different styles that are all together in this one um, this one wine yeah so um, yeah also it's from Rogue uh, River AVA, which is cool or Rogue Valley rather um,
0: oh that is interesting
1: yeah that, I'm getting uh... Rogue River uh, Rogue River Valley is this one that uh, blue cheese um, yes. from, um yeah yeah, but yeah, So Southern Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really cool. Yeah. I haven't had any of their other wines. Have you?
0: Uh, yeah, no. I've actually had an Ovum Riesling before. Um, mm-hmm. That was quite good. Um, uh, it was. It definitely had oak. Definitely had oak on it. It, but it mm-hmm. still was very like well structured. It saw a lot of acid. Um, yeah. Yeah, really just wine that worked very well in the context that I opened it which was um mm-hmm. part of a blind tasting. Um, oh cool. Oh so, whoa, that would be weird blind. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good like, you know. People got people figured out it was a Riesling and like but it but it was also like like some people figured out it was Riesling but there was some debate about it because of that oak character. Like it's a, it, 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 mm-hmm. it's a very like perfect like wine nerd wine yeah while yeah. also being completely accessible and something you can just drink and enjoy which is a cool like, yeah totally cool balance to hit
1: yeah yeah it's fun oh we should also mention um referring to like a like a wine's structure like what do you mean by structure
0: uh, uh usually when i'm talking about structure i'm talking about a combination of acidity and tannins um gotcha. that's what that's how i think of structure uh mm-hmm. the way acidity and tannins Create mouthfeel, which are not flavors. Like you can't identify right. particular flavors that go with them, but they are mm-hmm. sensory experiences that define right. the shape that the wine sort of occupies in your mouth. That um, makes sense. Yeah, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the the um, it's all the behind the scenes stuff. Like if you go to a if you go to a you go, you go to a play, um, what you mm-hmm. look at, what the what the actors say and do. That's all the flavors, but then the structure is all the stuff behind the, the you know you're not thinking about, but is influencing mm-hmm. what you know you're looking at. Like,
1: right, right. What do you, what do you, what do you think about like alcohol content? Like, would you think that contributes towards structure?
0: Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, alcohol content sort of um it's like the base line. It's like the mm-hmm. you know like the base um to throw in another metaphor to confuse things even more like alcohol I, I feel like tends to be like like when you're listening to like a rock album or something it's like the bass line like you you really don't want to like mm-hmm. think about it but it's there mm-hmm. it's always there like <coughs> yeah. it, and if you do want to think about it it can be really cool like it can interact with things in cool ways but most of the time it's like you know it's um it's not the focus of attention um Right. Which, you know, isn't fair to Victor Wooten or whoever. But alcohol is probably best, like, best related to, like, the clef you're in. Like, whether you're in the bass clef okay. or the treble clef. Like, it's, like, mm-hmm. what, you know, what octave do you expect stuff to be played in, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that's where alcohol sits. Because... Mm-hmm. If you have a bunch of notes, like if you have half of the, uh, say you say you're drinking like a like a, I don't know a, a cab sauv that's really really green or something like cab sauv should be a bass clef wine, but they've just mm-hmm. like, but they there's way too much acidity and not enough like roundness and like tannin, so mm-hmm. you every note is being played, you know basically in the treble clef, so it's like well right. you just. So that's, that's, like, where I think of alcohol in terms of structure, is, like, alcohol defines sort of the landscape that you expect things to live within. And then, um, you know, uh, acidity is probably, like, rhythm, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then tannins would be, like, the key that you're in. It, this is a very overwrought metaphor, but <laughs> it's working for me. So the problem is, like, why... Because... I, I, I think we've talked about this, but like the nature of how people relate to their their senses of flavor and smell, we we yeah. move to synesthesia really really quickly with wine, right? Because we don't have, I don't I don't think culturally we have a huge sense that we should trust very deeply our perception when it comes to like describing what we're actually experiencing. Mm-hmm. But weirdly, on the other hand, I think it's not quite like. The it's not quite like music in that music there is like a structure out there of like there is even if you can like if, even if you can simplify it and not need like modes and all that stuff there is still mm-hmm. a a system of um, math that's associated with music that you can go and learn and you can learn the common language for it and that can help right. you like listen to music and take it apart and understand it if you wanted to recreate it but you know just listening to a song and then learning how to play it by listening to it but then with wine like that being able to do that does not help you enjoy music it it can if you then like learn to play it or whatever like i don't know it enjoying music is still separate from all of that it's still separate from learning that language and wine's kind of the same way like you you it's still like you were saying, fundamentally based on what you enjoy, like what you, mm-hmm. cause you can listen to, you know, like you can listen to, uh, Led Zeppelin and be like, Oh, I like that kind of rock and roll. And you don't know, you know, you're like, yeah, I like that, like dark, broody, like aggressive sound. And you wouldn't necessarily need to like, that's, that's a good functional description of somebody saying like they like, Stuff in a minor key, with mm-hmm. sort of a um, you know driving tempo that involves a lot of like um, a lot of kind of uh, runs up and down the key that it's in. But like you don't need to you don't need to have that terminology to be like no I like you still know the, the mood. mood you still know your emotional experience with it and the same is true with a line where people can be like yeah I don't I don't need to know. I don't need to be able to pick out exactly what the the RS is in this, but I um, I know that I like it because it's not sweet, right? Which uh, the thing that I was gonna mention a second ago, um, I found the uh, text sheets for the for your wine, that mm-hmm. Doctor Lucen put out, and um, what did you guess the uh, RS was in yours?
1: Uh, I didn't. Oh, okay. Um yeah, no, what are they? You wanna guess? Uh eh, I mean <clears throat> I know the one for um I mean the one for ovum's definitely I feel like it's definitely gonna be higher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but uh no, I I don't I don't really have a clear uh, I, I don't feel like I don't have a good benchmark for like RS. Be a smell and be like taste it and be like, no no this is like five. Yeah, you know like i don't i don't i don't have that really clearly yeah. established
0: so it's not super fair because basically anything under 10 is going to come across as dry and like pretty much right. dry as um little mm-hmm. little modulations down there can change fruit expression that was what julia was worried yeah. about with the um the pinot gris right is like levels of expressiveness of fruit because that was at i think six uh grams mm-hmm. per liter um But yours is 8 grams per liter with a TA of 7 grams
1: per liter. For the Lucin.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the blue slate that you were talking about Mm -hmm. them also making, uh, that has a RS of 40.6 grams per liter. Whoa. The alcohol is only 8.5. But Mm -hmm. then the TA is higher. It's 8.5 grams per liter in the blue Hmm. slate. So.
1: Hmm. Is the ovum, what is it like? 13 or something 14 for ovum for RS. Yeah.
0: Probably I you I mean probably I would
1: Oh, I th- I thought you had the the tech sheet up for that one.
0: Oh, no no no, sorry. I just had the okay. Text sheets up. Dr I I went looking cuz I uh Dr. Lucent is one of those producers that you know is big enough that you can find stuff like that on their wines. Oh, totally. Um yeah. Like, they're, um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you got a bottle of Dr. Lucen because they're a, uh, like, I think people could probably find this Earhart one, but like they're, mm-hmm. they're just such a good benchmark producer. Like they're, a, they're a producer that like, you know, they're the kind of, they're, the, what you're drinking is exactly the kind of wine that would be thrown at like a, a Somme taking their, um, they're doing their blind wines. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super straightforward. Um, But, you know, obviously when you're doing a, uh, when you're doing a blind tasting, like everything goes to the window. It's easy to be like, oh, mm-hmm. this is Riesling when it's like someone tells you, this is a or when it's sitting in front of you, and all of a sudden you just get, you get handed a glass of like white wine you're, and you're like, all right, what is it? You're like, oh fuck, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I am, um, that's why Chardonnay is fascinating because Chardonnay can mm-hmm. come off as so many different things. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that one really trips people up, but
1: oh, yeah, this says uh, ten grams per liter RS for the twenty fifteen uh, ovum. Yeah. So I imagine it'd probably be around the same, but yeah, it's definitely. Would you say the the red slate was like seven?
0: The red slate? Yeah. Yeah. Eight grams per liter. Yeah. yeah. Eight, Basically okay. the same yeah, as yeah. mine. Like I I right. I'm willing to guess our two wines are very very similar. Oh, but um, we didn't even talk about so, so Riesling um, well the, the, the diversion into Ikem isn't the worst thing in the world because Ikem is made of Semillon and then the Semillon is just vinified to make a dessert wine so it's picked at a very it's mm. picked very very late with very very special um, with a very there's a very special climactic condition that happens in the part of Bordeaux where uh, right where chem exists that has to do with a fog that precipitates this uh, noble rot version of botrytis which is very very balanced and helps because um, mm-hmm. there's this whole thing in, in, in grapes where at, at a certain point bricks are not actually being produced like like sugars yeah. are not being produced and added to the fruit anymore all of the increase in sugars is happening through desiccation of the uh, right. of uh, of the fruit so the water is being lost and the, f- the sugars are just being concentrated and mm-hmm. botrytis can um, can concentrate that process and create this either it can just rot the fruit and look furry and be mold or it mm-hmm. can create this incredibly delicate, incredibly beautiful in color uh, golden rot, it's, it's called golden rot because mm-hmm. it's or noble rot but it, it's also called golden rot because um, I think it's also called golden rot. It looks gold. It's it. It literally is this beautiful, deep golden color uh, that creates this really beautiful uh, flavor that they wait to have happen in um, in at, in the semi on to create that to to create Sauterne. Um, the same can be done with Riesling to create sweet Rieslings. Mm-hmm. both of us picked Rieslings that are dry so the one that I have when it says it's a cabinet that relates to the actual sugar content in the um, in the grapes when they were picked and yeah. Yeah. the uh, that j- just to that not to how fully um, fermented through it was so another thing that can be done is you know not quite letting the wine ferment all the way through, so you end up with something that's like eight and a half percent and uh has much more residual sugar in it. Um right.
1: Wait, sorry, can I interrupt for yep. a sec? Yeah, so there's a couple things I wanted to say. So botrytis mm-hmm. is the same the same stuff you see oh, yeah. when you think your your fruit is going bad mm-hmm. in the grocery store when it gets like fu- like strawberries get like that fuzzy white shit on yep. it botrytis same thing yep um so what it does is it eats that and sort of decays the and creates holes in the surface of the like the grape skins and turns um desiccates or dries out the berries or reduces the water content um so then yeah and then that can also um as it proliferates develop these these sort of these uh flavors that are sort of you know more like candy ginger, saffron, these sort of richer flavors. Um, yes, that's a separate thing. But then also with Riesling there's certain um, categories. Like you'll notice there'll be like cabinet, K A B I N E T T. It'll be like cabinet, uh Auslese beer in auslase, and trogan beer and Or ice wine is the is the sort of the highest one. But the cabinet, um spatlasa, beer and trog and beer in are all designations. For as Boone said, the um, the sugar content on which they're harvested, not on which uh, the 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 sugar content of the of the, the final sugar content of the wine. Yeah. So Cabinet and Spat and Spadlesa can both say uh, Trocken, T-R-O-C-K-E-N, mm-hmm. which means dry. So you can have a Cabinet Trocken or a spatlasa Trocken. They'll just be at higher sugar contents when they're picked, so there will be higher resulting alcohol contents in the end, but they can still be both... Technically can... Or theoretically can both be bone dry. Um, but with Auslisa, Beer and Beren, Auslase, and Auslisa, they will all have um, some sort of effect of um, botrytis on them. Right. So they will all sort of possess that character. So when you go buy a bottle of Riesling, you know, there's all this German shit on it. How do I fucking understand this? And we can go into... A different time how to how to analyze and understand german wine labels because there is a lot of like intricacy and ridiculous yeah. probably
0: just do an episode all that goes into reading it reading labels because reading labels yeah labels
1: or reading yeah exactly and um so yeah so it'll say Auslese, uh, um cabinet and so this is all for a certain category of german wines but they'll say those things on them and then based on that you will know so if it says ausliza bernosliza Auslese, Auslese it'll be um, affected by botrytis and then cabinet or spadlace might be affected by botrytis probably not but could be and may or may not be sweet yeah. depending on whether or not it says Trocken and even if it it doesn't have to say Trocken it may say Trocken see German wine's a total fucking nightmare so, so you yeah. have to sort of know by producer and sort of know bottle by bottle basis because like either of us we know a lot about this shit and even us like I didn't know was this red slate going to be dry or not did know it says dry on it, in big letters, bone dry? No, it still has a bunch of residual sugar in it, so you never know.
0: Well, the I mean, for for riesling, I'd say you're in the neighborhood of what's considered bone dry there. Like, you're, you're mm. not, you're not. Well, it's not a. Yeah, that one doesn't say. Does that? I think it says trocken. No. On the red slate, no. no it, it just says
1: dry in yeah. English.
0: It's just, the, there's this whole, yeah. but this
1: is this is not like it's not like a, um, like a, a brut nature.
0: Yeah.
1: Champagne. It's like it's not totally totally dry. It definitely still has some residual sugar yeah. to it. But it should just, just say like not sweet yeah. in big letters or something.
0: But then um, with this, uh, so this the bottle I have the, it's a cabinet, but then it's a it mm-hmm. below that says fine hair, which translates to fine dry, which is you know, hmm. you know not chalking. I guess I guess it's some other designation because it's it's got you know it's got R S, but it's not much. It's you know it's very close in our in in R S content to your wine actually. Mm-hmm. Um the uh completely lost that train of thought. I, I, mean, I the back. so the I think thing with Riesling kinda internationally is that it suffered a similar effect. As what happened with Chardonnay out of California, in that there was this cultural conception of what it meant that was unified by a mm-hmm. very particular ideology of how the wine should be made, that actually only represented a small amount of the actual wine being produced. So people came to associate Riesling with this, um, with the sweeter, you know, off-dry thing. Mm -hmm. uh you know lower alcohol but like noticeably sweet and that's really not true to a great deal of very very good Riesling that's produced around the world that is um just dry dry as and really uh really like structurally complicated and acidic and really amazing uh in terms of like wine for food like Riesling is this incredibly Mm -hmm. great wine to pair with um, like with fish like halibut or uh, shellfish or um, like I don't know I would even pair it with like pork dishes probably yeah I can go with anything yeah it's it's just it's just great drinking wine like it's just wine that you drink and you just want to keep drinking and drinking and drinking because it's Ah. like you know the those really great dry Rieslings have that same like balance of acid to sweetness like the little bit of sweetness like it's like like a really good glass of lemonade The like the tension in mm-hmm. the in the tartness yeah, there yeah, yeah it's like you know hard to recapture when you're you know I mean that's one, a whole other thing that like your the way your brain holds on to sense memory of like taste and stuff but like Riesling hits mm-hmm. this very Dry riesling for me hits this very cool, like emotional space of like a very a very sunny summer day kind of, you know, yeah. Taste.
1: Oh, totally, totally.
0: Or I I wanted to the the flip side of that is you really have to be growing riesling somewhere that it that it works like that you can get that long late period where you can harvest mm-hmm. at different levels of botrytisa- botrytization. bartratization, um and make selections of what you're so in germany they use a different term in bricks and i found it a second ago but i've lost it again it's uh some very funny word starting with oh uh, i found
1: i found about fine herb so fine herb can also be found in german wine bottles unregulated term but it usually describes wine that is halb trocken which means uh, like literally translates to half sweet um, or slightly too, or just slightly too sweet to be called habdrachen, So if you see a German wine that's described as fine herb, you know that it is neither dry nor very sweet, but somewhere in between.
0: Mm. You know, I'd say this is on so. the dry side of that. Uh,
1: hmm. the. So it's just some, some an un- unregulated region. Yeah.
0: The other, so this is a blue label. Like the, the mm-hmm. one that I have, they, all their, well, there, there's an exception to that, but they, they, they have this fun label with a guy standing on the, um on the left side of the label, holding up a glass of wine, it's like this woodcut thing. They have a, they have uh-huh. a, a red one that's Pinot Noir, a green one that is, um, a specific vineyard, a single heart, a single vineyard harvest thing. And then a blue one, which is their, uh, just, um, estate, the Rue des uh-huh. Um, and the, uh, their other, they have a couple different ones that they put the blue label on. One of them is this, um, fine herb and then they have a trocken that they also put that label on so Mm. they make a they make i think a few different a couple different trocken um Mm -hmm. ones and that that uh wow uh one of them has a residual sugar of 1.8 grams per liter so Hmm. very very dry
1: yeah one thing that i really like about rieslings um when they develop some age or even when they they some might not is that they'll say this characteristic uh petrol.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: No. Um so some people say petrol, like what does that fucking mean? To me, that's sort of um sort of like um asphalt mixed with it's like if you stop at a gas station mm-hmm. on like a hot summer day. Yeah. And you get out, mean so assuming you don't live in Jersey and you can actually pump your own fucking gas. <laughs> You get out of your car, and whatever you smell, like that sort of sensation. Yep. So the mixture of the hot pavement with the gas and all that kind of stuff, rubber from your tires and whatever. That sort of smell will be in.
0: But it, it's the it's wine. the smell of diesel. Like I, I mean, I've probably yeah. spilled diesel on myself more than the average person, but like it is that smell mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It's one of the very special like it's one of the very special in the same way that like fungal forest floor um Mm -hmm. vivacity like the the liveliness of fresh healthy mushrooms and Mm -hmm. and and moss and and loam and petrichor are all associated with really excellent uh pinot noir and that's like Mm -hmm basically unique to Pinot Noir like there it can also do all these other red yeah. fruit flavors and red winey things quite well but that is kind of reserved for Pinot Noir mm-hmm. Riesling similarly um, well Riesling and other uh, a few other varietals that are that are quite related to it um, mm-hmm. can develop that quality like dry white wines uh, from right. like Alsace uh, Gewürztraminer can develop that, but Gewürztraminer, I th- believe, is a is a mix of. Um... Oh no, I'm thinking of Müller-Thurgau. Uh, anyhow, there are there are, there are a couple other varietals, but they all tend to be kind of related to or or close in um, where they're grown to Riesling, and um, it's that like. But Riesling is the is the like noble varietal yeah, like among Kerner. all of those. Kerner has yeah. That which is super good. So like the, that, you know, that experience in wine is, looking at it from the perspective of like how a psalm would probably be taught about it, not knowing anything about that, but um, like that, you know, you would be given an example of that via Riesling because Riesling is like the varietal with which it is probably most strongly associated. Because it's, like, you know, of that kind of wine, it's the most broadly made varietal, I think, you know, for Mm -hmm. that style.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: So this, this, Mm -hmm. um, Chard Oregon Riesling Mm -hmm. is, it's very good. It has this, um, slight mealiness, like a, like an apple that's just Mm passed, like, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's best that um Mm. i think Riesling can often develop when it's um i think it's just very common for uh new world Rieslings um i think there's this uh there's there's this thing about about like Riesling particularly where you really like you can grow it in a lot of different places and you can make it in a lot of different ways but you really have to commit to, like, doing it a lot. Like, Riesling is not a, like, a very accidental varietal in my experience about, like, when it works and when it doesn't. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like people tend to make a lot of very strong choices. And I don't know. I, I, I like this one, but I... I it. it I, I feel like i did a, a disservice having it next to this um this German one because the german one is just more clear and more uh, more resilient in terms of its structure like it's it's its structure is a lot more uh, more defined and a lot more robust yeah which isn't to say the wine is more robust the the shad is actually more robust in terms of like the nature of its structure but in terms of like the definition and clarity of its structure the, the Erhard has more mm-hmm. going on yeah
1: yeah makes sense yeah,
0: yeah but like there's a melony um, uh, like a like a cantaloupe kind of mm-hmm. characteristic to the shad riesling that um, yeah. I mm-hmm. very rarely get from dry German rieslings but uh, yeah
1: yeah, I guess it's just like that that riper expression of fruit in yeah. general Than you would in a super cold climate.
0: Yeah, and there's a funny thing with Riesling. So in Germany, it gets ripe, and then it starts to get botrytis before it gets overripe. Mm -hmm. But then in Oregon Mm -hmm. and a lot of other places where Riesling can be grown, it's one of the kind of problems with Riesling is you can get Riesling ripe and then get it overripe before it starts to get botrytis. So there's this very important climactic balance of like... When is it going to like when? How long is the acid going to last? When is botrytis going to set in? How is botrytis going to behave? And you know, usually in Oregon, and it's very common throughout Oregon that uh, you know botrytis happens, and it happens relatively swiftly, and it does not. It mm-hmm. doesn't. There, the people make dessert wines in Oregon, and there there are several that are good, but they're you know, they take they, they, they usually come from people who take the time to go out to their vineyard a lot all mm-hmm. the time ta- like a lot generally and are very close to their vineyard and are watching very, very closely because things happen very quickly because Oregon's so wet but um, right. but that wet comes on badly late usually in harvests around when Around when things like things things usually have this chance to get very ripe before botrytis sets mm-hmm. in. Botrytis isn't setting in when there's still acid in the fruit in significant quantities. At mm-hmm. least in my experience, like, I, I I shouldn't be saying any of this because I personally haven't grown riesling, but um, mm-hmm. but I know people who do. I know I know places where I, I I know people with lots of differing opinions about riesling. I'm glad people grow it in Oregon. I think this is good wine. I'm glad that they're that they're doing it and it's like it's a really cool expression I think that um, I think that as with most white varietals in Oregon and there are extremes of this but people need to trust the acid more like I think people generally mm-hmm. can pick there, there's like and it, it this all has to do with like it's kind of like the cork thing there's, there's this whole complicated arrangement of of like labor and trucking and all of these logistical considerations around harvest that are really unfortunate but that exist in Oregon's wine industry because and in California's too I'm sure but that, that just exists because of the realities of sort of the market that all of these things exist in which is pretty contrived mm-hmm. but also completely native to the structure of American business models and stuff because we don't see right. wine doesn't exist as like a cultural uh, as a cultural identity in America in the same way that it does in any European place Um we're trying to make it be that, but it isn't yet. It's still just an agricultural product. Um, but in Oregon, people, I think y- Pinot Gris is probably the best example because people people are like, "Oh, Pinot Gris, you know, we'll pick it when it's at twenty three bricks and we'll be good." And that is a that is just the worst thing you can do to it. Like it's it, it, if you. If you wait to pick it when you think it's going to be at 23 Bricks, you're probably going to come in higher than 23 Bricks because like, because of how all those considerations tend to work and how the climate usually starts behaving by that point. I mean, you can get a reliable mm-hmm. reading of a reliable sample of that. And anyways, usually with like Pinot Gris, which is much more widely planted in Oregon than Riesling is, you, you need more acid than will be in the fruit at 23 Bricks. You will start to lose acid pretty pretty, mm-hmm. pretty quickly when you start getting the kind of desiccation that happens. They can get something to twenty three bricks. So I don't know. I, I like I I would be interested in somebody who is picking Riesling at say half nineteen and a half twenty bricks, seeing what they could do with that. Mm-hmm. Or does that be like you know? And there are people doing that. And the flip side is that you then end up with uh, you know. Something that takes the enamel off your teeth, as people like to say. Right. (laughs) I don't know. That was a whole useless diatribe very specific to the organ industry, but people are growing Riesling out out here and it's it's good. It's it's very, very good. It's just like it's the other thing that people I think, you know, need to keep in mind when comparing all of these things. It's like this this other, this reasoning I have from Germany, like the fam- the people making it are, I think, the f- second or third generation on their farm, maybe third. And it's been in their family for 180 years, maybe, is what I read. Mm-hmm. Something like that. It's nutty. Um, nice. But then yours, like, that's that's been in their family for 200 years. Yeah. Yeah, 130 years just like that's a long time oh, yeah. in a in a wine industry that's existed longer than that and you
1: know I all mean, right i'm losing steam first. i
0: am too man i'm just rambling <laughs> <laughs> this wine's oh, good but i've got right. too much of it
1: yeah all
0: right yeah dude Right. what do we uh what do we go out I on? Stop. Here?
1: Uh Pee Pee. Poo poo. Pee pee caca. Pee pee. Pee pee caca. Goodbye. Alright. Goodbye. We